podcast is a part of Dear Asian Youth, a youth-led magazine aimed towards Asian activism for Asian youth by Asian youth. Follow us on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, etc. at Dear Asian Youth and at Dear Asian Girl to get updates on all the latest articles, poetry and prose, podcasts, campaigns, and more. Today, we will be talking about being part of the LGBTQ community as Asian girls. Today we're going to be talking about being a part of the LGBTQ community as an Asian American girl. So Nina and I both identify as bisexual um, and we both struggled for a long time with our sexuality. 100%. So being Asian American, there's a lot of culture stigma that kind of surrounds being and a part of the LGBTQ community. Um, have you personally felt this? Yeah, for sure. Um, being Indian, like, there's a lot of stigma around, you know, being bisexual. And I feel like, for one, part of it is, like, because as an Indian girl, I've grown up to be so, like, pressed about, you know, family. Like, that's such a core value for me. Like, you know, I was born thinking that I have to be connected to my family my entire life, you know. Even when I'm an adult and, like, I have my own house, I still, you know, have to send back money to them. And I'm sure that's, like, a thing in many other Asian countries, you know. And I just, you know, have to keep them in my life. And, like, that's a huge thing. And, like, that, like, one of the big things about, you know, making your family proud as a daughter or, like, you know, doing what you, your duty is as a daughter is like marrying you know like it is a stereotypical or like traditional idea like arranged marriages aren't as popular but like marriage as a whole very popular yeah. and it has to be a straight marriage you know and like there have been so many incidents where i'm talking to my mom about you know my future wedding or like married marrying rithik roshan you know and like it's so awkward because like i that's not exactly what i picture or want you know so there's definitely like stigma around like marrying a woman because you have to you know pertain to what your family your family's ideal future of you my parents are immigrants and they came from china and it's very like shameful and like there's it's considered that there's like something wrong with you um because like yeah, i'm actually not really out to my parents yeah, yeah. so Fingers crossed, they don't find this podcast. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> my dad listened to, like, one of the first episodes, and then he stopped, thank god. Like, talking about, you know, my parents not knowing, so... Like, okay, personal experiences now. Like, I... Okay, so I was, like, sort of discovering and exploring it in sixth grade, because, you know, I went to an all-girls school. I had a big-ass crush on a girl, you know, that, like, sort of started the whole train wreck that is figuring out my sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like my parents found out and like that was really scary for one and like yeah as like an asian part of the asian community like there's so little representation of the lgbtq community in our culture you know like i can't even name someone who like fits that description i mean possibly there is you know nikita dragon you know but like there's a very limited number of people like that and that you know translates it translates into like people especially people of older generations not understanding us and thinking it's just attention seeking and therefore not normalizing it and making like it's sort of an alien foreign thing that you should completely steer away from exactly and i feel like even with like nikita dragon and like Bretman rock they don't really talk about the aspect of being like asian american and how that like impacts being lgbtq so i think there is like a really big lack of just like 
a role model to look up to like someone like as a child being lgbtq and asian american i would have loved to have like someone i could actually look up to that like is freely voicing like their sexuality um but there is no one like that currently which is why this podcast is also so hard for us to record yeah yeah exactly but it needs to be done like hopefully this will help someone else and like you know part of our audience who isn't able to be open about it but feels like you know they have someone they can relate to and in terms of you know like representation like that's such a good and like key thing to improve your mental health because when I was like figuring all of this out in sixth grade there was no one I could really look up to like I had a friend who was Asian and also you know exploring and like she was so helpful to me throughout all of it like we still talk even now about it and like I told her about how I was scared and anxious about recording this podcast and she was like you know what it's okay it shouldn't be abnormal to talk about it even though it feels like I'm sharing illegal information right now anyway back to like mental health like basically in the LGBTQ community and I'm sure even more in like the Asian community because of how stigmatized it is especially there there's like higher rates of depression suicide even and like it's been a conversation recently in my family about moving to Singapore where my mom grew up and like that's something really scary to me because I feel like even though Singapore is sort of you know modernized and like advanced I don't think they're advanced in terms of you know accepting same-sex marriages or things like that so like that was really scary to me and I was like having a lot of anxiety around that area because I probably wouldn't tell any of my friends there even though I have in America yeah and like the fact is being lgbtq and like coming out to your parents some people get kicked out of their homes like some people like face violence be- yeah well, a lot of like lgbtq people face violence because of their sexuality or of their gender expression and that's why it makes it so scary to like talk about this openly and just like you don't know if the person you're telling it to is going to be accepting of you. And mm-hmm. when they're like, when they're not, or they like ridicule you for it, it like makes you never want to talk about your I sexuality. Know. Yeah. That was like one of the things I had in mind when like telling my whole friend group, because I feel like, I don't know, there are always like weird comments like around teens, yeah. you know, okay, first of all, that like whole thing, you know, saying that's so gay or whatever, like making it into like an insult. I personally haven't been like told that or like, you know, heard that or, around other people but I know it's a thing that exists and it's definitely horrible but then there's also things you know like bisexuality erasure which is definitely something I want to talk about because it's so common and normalized especially in TikTok it's such a sole like contributor of that like I'll see so many comments and they're like a pretty girl's video that's like you turn me gay or like (sighs) I would I was straight until like I saw this video (laughs) yeah I turned gay for you yeah exactly and it just like minimizes like an entire like sexuality um and I know that like people aren't doing this like out of spite or like to harm people who are bisexual but it is very like insensitive mm-hmm. um especially when it's so hard for like us to talk about it yeah. because of all of these like cultural stigmas um and for people to just like make a joke out of it it's just like low-key disrespectful um like even if they don't mean any harm It's not even disrespectful, but even, like, hypocritical, because TikTok is making it now to be, like, you know, something you can easily joke about and, like, you know, like, a cool joke that people are let in on now, because people will be like, oh, now she turned me bi, but, like, that, like, is so different and hypocritical from how, like, people who are actually bi are, are, like, always told to, you know, choose a side or pick a side, you know, or they're seen as promiscuous or, like, slutty because they can't pick a side, you know? It's just, like, really bad how, like, 
the whole culture just completely dismisses that and like minimizes like everything we go through with that yeah and even in the lgbtq community there is also like stigmatism around Mm -hmm. being bisexual like you said why don't you just like pick a side or like that bisexuality isn't like real and it's just like under umbrella term of like pansexuality um and yeah i just think there's like a really big lack of like representation for bisexuality um in the asian american community specifically um and back to your point about like saying like there's so much like casual homophobia like saying mm-hmm. that's so gay and things like that in middle school i actually have a funny story yes um, oh my God. i heard a group of boys like being like casually they would call like my friends like homophobic slurs just like casually and as a joke and, like they were doing this once and i was like i just like was like hey i'm fed up with this like you yes need to stop. as you should be yeah and then they started calling me homophobic slurs um and like the principal didn't care because he oh was catholic oh yeah did not care at all so my friends and I actually like hung up posters that were like pro LGBTQ plus. I love that. On the lockers, and it was so funny when um they saw the posters because like you will not believe it. It was like from a movie. Like they grabbed the posters, ripped it up, and then like stomped on them. <laughs> like it was so dramatic, and my friend and I were like dying laughing because of how like pathetic it was. Um, but then like the really bad part is the principal didn't even like care about what they did and we got in trouble like for hanging up the posters um and like yeah and we got like that detention and like a call home to our parents we're hanging up posters when there were people literally using like homophobic slurs like the f word um just like freely and he just like did not care about it at all because of his religion um so it was just like really ridiculous but yeah and you also come from like a pretty religious family right yeah that's a double threat yeah so it was kind of like being asian american and like growing up christian it was just like the worst combo for being lgbtq um i remember we would used to like literally pray to like eradicate homosexuality which is awful and i would feel so awkward like so awkward and i would feel so uncomfortable with myself and my identity um, so I struggled that with that for a really, really long time, like between like cultural stigma and also religious stigma. Yeah, for sure. And like, especially with all that pressure and like, you know, people telling you this is something you should stigmatize, something that should like be considered a mental illness. Like, yeah. did you experience like a lot of, you know, like mental struggles with that, like emotionally? Like, was that a problem for you ever? Yeah, definitely. And it was something that like, was so personal I couldn't talk to anyone else yeah I know Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk to my friends I couldn't talk to like counselor therapist it was just like so shameful to me like I just didn't even want to think about it so every time like for example like growing up I would like take like are you gay quizzes like yes oh my gosh I know I took like are you gay are you bi straight whatever oh my gosh I did that for like so much and then, like, but then, like, I would al- always get, like, bisexual and just be, like, ignore. Like, I'd be, like, mm, like yeah. mentally, like, stressful to mm-hmm. think about right now. Yeah. It's 
there's just so much shame around being LGBTQ in the Asian American community. Did you like mentally struggle with like being Asian American and also LGBTQ? Yeah, I mean like personally right now I'm like really scared to like talk about this because like you said like I wasn't used to being this open about it. It's like this is really weird for me, but like sixth grade, like I said, like main moral of the story here, you guys should understand that like sixth grade was just a train wreck because like before I I like told you the story, but like before you know like realizing this or you know getting a crush on a girl like I saw like I used to watch teens kids react you know like I vividly remember watching that video about kids react to gay marriage like that was the weirdest thing to me I thought that was so you know unheard of just like wrong and like I remember seeing it and just like looking away because it didn't look right to me that's how internalized it was it's we laugh it off but like it's bad it just goes to show how bad it is anyway so like when I found out like you know this is like actually something that's gonna be part of my life now, like, a personal experience, like, it was, like, really bad for me, like, I was not the person, you know, I, me as now, you know, I was, like, very quiet, like, I just, you know, wouldn't talk to anyone about it at first until, like, you know, I found a friend who could relate to the same thing, but, like, yeah, like, speak, like, going about how there were higher rates of, you know, depression or suicide, like, you know, I would, like, contemplate that, and, like, damn, this is, like, hard for me to say, but, like, you know, it was, like, a period of time, like, in starting April to, like, June, like I just had like a lot of dark thoughts because of it like I just thought you know like I'm just gonna be embarrassing my family if I you know were to be in a couple or like a relationship like that you know because like a woman like I, I feel like again family is such a key part of my life which is like why I feel pressured to like you know conform to like what they want me to be like because my mom had to go through you know nine months pregnancy multiple hours of labor and then they have a baby and they think you know, you, like, as a mom, you'll think, oh, my child is going to do so amazing things. They're going to, you know, get a job, be successful in their career, you know, have an amazing wedding. And I know she, like, imagines my wedding to be with a man. Like, because we've had conversations where she's like, okay, you're going to marry this Indian man, you know, and it's always going to be, like, an actor he thinks is, she thinks is, like, hot or whatever. And, like, knowing that I won't be able to fulfill whatever dreams she had as a mother, like, made me feel really shitty about myself. So, like, that was definitely, like, a whole time where, like, I just thought more about other people's emotions over mine and I think if I had saw like representation on the media where like people were more open about it and like more like able or like inclined to like express their thoughts or like you know talk about it with a counselor then I think I could have avoided like a lot of personal struggles or angst yeah definitely and like I think just the fact that because family is such a big part of like Asian culture and stuff like you don't want to disappoint your parents yeah, you don't want to mm-hmm. be faithful and like just there's just like you want to appeal to their traditional values um because like Asian culture is really like heavy on like being traditional like yeah. marriages between a man and a woman here's what a man's supposed to do at home I mean at work here's what yeah, a woman's exactly. supposed to yeah so I definitely like completely relate to um like just the mental struggles you go through when you don't have anyone else to like to like look up to or like to talk about it with and it just feels like you're wrong like yeah. you and him are just like like you're literally fault. doing something illegal you know exactly yeah yeah and like more about family like in my family like whenever like a, a gay couple comes on like you know or like the the like topic somehow comes up into the conversation it gets so awkward and uncomfortable and like you know people like throw insults about it like I've never I've heard um my mom both my parents say the f word like to each other like not even because they're like you know 
gay, of course, but, like, like, as an insult, not even, like, related to sexuality, but, like, just to, like, hurt their feelings, you know? And, like, first of all, that's problematic, but also, like, whenever, like, a gay, like, commercial, like, I, okay, wait, I saw this commercial where it was, like, you know, um, an LGBTQ hotline come on TV, and it was so awkward, like, I remember sitting on the couch with both my parents, like, across from me, like, I just slid into the couch and just was, like, okay, I don't want to be seen, I don't want to be here right now, it's, like, when, you know, a hookup scene comes on your TV, you know, and you're, like, um, I wish I didn't see this right now, oh, my God. Yeah, my... Okay, so I was sitting my brother down. I was, like, telling him not to be homophobic. I was, like, Mm -hmm. explaining that people can be, like, gay. Because my parents, like, never taught them that. My mom was mad at me. Like, she was like, you're going to influence him. Like, he's going to turn gay. Mm -hmm. Just because... I know. It's not a disease. It's not contagious. Like, so what if he's gay? Anyways, Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just your sexual preference. Um... And yeah, I definitely like it's just so uncomfortable in the age being Asian and being LGBTQ. Yeah. Like you constantly feel like there's something wrong with you, like something needs to be fixed. And like your parents, like there's like no support from like family, yeah, no exactly. support from culture the culture itself. Um Yeah, and it's definitely something you should not have to go through alone because first of all, we're like teenagers or like you know in that whole age range like we're not going to know everything about that area so like guidance is definitely a huge thing like if not for representation on the media at least from your family like I had a similar experience with you where like I was curious you know I wanted to talk to my brother who's like he has like the mental age of like I don't know seven year old even though he's like three years younger than me but I like sat him down and I was like um how do you feel about a girl and a girl kissing and he was like ew gross no and I'm like okay how do you feel about like a guy a guy and he was like oh no you know and then I said girl and a guy and he was like yes that's how it should be you know he like he literally said that and like after the conversation I was like okay don't tell mom about this because like I knew if, like she found out I was having the conversation like first of all it was after I was outed to her so like that like was a tricky you know subject matter but I was also scared that like you know she would influence him even more badly by the situation like have a conversation with him and be like okay this is bad forget what your sister said you know it is a very stigmatized thing that you should avoid and like completely just disregard you know yeah and like i think something that's good about america um is that there are it is more easy to talk about being lgbtq Mm -hmm. in america um i think it has definitely gotten better over the past few years but obviously um, there's a lot more work to be done yeah there's a um, long way to go i do think that like currently it is a lot um like you do feel more support from like media from like just the lgbtq community um but it also this has like a negative effect um as well because it kind of like has become a trend for at least companies to use um for example like during pride month Mm -hmm. i think pride month is amazing and i'm like so glad that that exists in america and it like validates the lgbtq community but also companies use it as like commercial like they commercialize for their um, own like profit or like you know to sell their clothes better as if it's like a trend or like you know a a new like you know thing that appeared on like fashion week you know like, that's, how, that's the way they treat it. Like, that's the attitude they give it, which is really... I mean, it's good that they give it more visibility, but, like, it's not just a trend that you, can, you know, can, like, 
start or, like, you know, put on in June and then, like, disregard it completely after the month ends. And, like, that's sort of the whole yeah. attitude towards it. Yeah, like, they'll be, like, this month we're donating, like, I guess, 10%. exactly. And then, like, afterwards, the LGBTQ workers are being discriminated against. They're, like, oh, we do not see mm-hmm. that. And like, Now you guys don't matter. June is over, you yeah. know. No more pride flags for y'all. It's so hypocritical, yeah. And, like... I think companies can definitely do a better job of, like, you know, being less focused about, you know, benefiting themselves, but, like, you know, working, you know, to make sure that workers who do identify as LGBTQ, like, you know, feel safe at work, you know, feel like they have the ability to be open about it, you know, because, like, I know there aren't laws everywhere that, like, prohibit discrimination against the LGBTQ community, which is so, like, that's such a basic human right. And they have the audacity to run commercials. I know, I know. Like, my sexuality is not to be commercialized by you for your profit. It's just so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, like, speaking of laws, like, I know that China didn't, like, made it. Wait, is it even, like, legal there? It's not, right? No. No. Oh, God. Marriage is not legal in China. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, it was classified as a mental disorder until 19 years ago in 2001 um so yeah even though it's technically like it's legal to be like i mean you can't get married but it's like technically legal but it's still viewed as like a mental illness and a mental Mm -hmm. disorder and like people like only like around 15 percent i think of um asian american lgbtq um people in china living in china come out to their parents because that's how bad it is like it's so like stigmatized and there's so much shame around it and like just a concern for safety too mm-hmm. because asian parents in china like are so like sh- ashamed of their um kids who are lgbtq that they like kick them out and like they suffer a lot so it's just like it's just so terrible how unsafe and like um unwelcoming it is to be lgbtq in china yeah for sure like in terms of india it was only legal it was illegal up until like 2018 2019 and like it's it wasn't even like illegal in south asia too like there was no stigma around it until like you know colonialism happened you know like british colonized and started to administer india you know and because of that they india was one of like the first few countries to outlaw same-sex marriage under british rule and like that was around the 1860s and that's like created of course like a lot of problems you know in terms of like how we view homosexuality or like you know bisexuality now and i think it's just like really something that we can still work towards the same way we're doing in america not like you know commercializing it or making it a trend but like bringing up the conversation more especially so like people can one feel like they're being represented and feel like inclined to like you know hold it in less because that can like you know cause a lot of like emotional you know problems and then two we can definitely like you know fix rights like you know get more anti-discrimination laws yeah like you can't just you can't just say you support something and then not actually work towards it tangibly, mm-hmm. like for companies, um, like implement those policies that protect your LGBTQ workers from discrimination instead of just like 
throwing a rainbow flag yes i know oh my god or like using freaking stickers and like you know putting it like on your clothing or like on your walls while you're still saying the f slur or saying that's so gay like yeah um and it's like normal it's normalized for companies to be anti-lgbtq too like for example chick-fil-a like i know yeah oh my god that's such a good example i forgot like everyone always says like don't support chick-fil-a but then nobody like cares anymore Mm. like they're just like yeah but there's chicken sandwiches i know you know they're waffle fries (laughs) like literally sending millions of dollars to like conversion camp therapies Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just like it's so awful how like a whole human right like how human rights is treated like just like something to be tossed aside um in america for lgbtq people yeah i definitely think it's just one of those things so like i feel like in america as of now like things that definitely should and deserve to 100 percent be talked about it's more like the conversation is more geared around race and like gender and i feel like sexual orientation isn't like getting as much visibility in terms of like getting conversations or representation and i definitely think that's something we can normalize like mainly because people are so scared to be open about it because people who even like are allies are scared to you know be like identified as part of the community like you know you said something about it being like like i think you were talking about you know you were having a conversation with your brother and then your mom was like, no, it's going to, yeah. you know, make him gay. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are scared to, you know, be an ally because they think that's going to somehow happen. They're going to be affiliated with the community. And because the way people make it into a negative thing, that, like, makes the issue even worse for them. Yeah, and, like, it would help so many of those, like, little kids struggling yeah, with their sexual <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Had nobody to, like look up to um and just like nobody to like nobody that understood us and like even if like our friends were, were like supportive there's they just didn't know like how to support us yeah because exactly they didn't understand like what we were going through um so i was wondering like when you're i know that we both like found out our sexualities pretty early so i was wondering like when did you find out you identified as bisexual and like how was that process yeah, for you yeah okay so i had like a big ass crush you know going to an all-girls school starting like <laughs> sixth grade and i now that i think about it like especially more now because you always know, start to realize um i think i like also had like small crushes in like elementary school but like i just made it turn into like you know more of a casual thing like oh i just want to be their friend they seem so nice to me you know they are pretty but like that's not a big deal but like it was that's literally like a key signal that you are by <laughs> like yeah big crush in sixth grade that's like the moment it like all started for me yeah mine was definitely like a progression but like in elementary school i would like check out girls and i'd be like you know what it's normal like i'm just <laughs> I just want to be them, you know, yeah, there's yeah. always, like, I like their style, them. they have good clothes, I just want to be them, I'm just, like, jealous, but then I was literally, like, just check out girls and not guys at all, like, it's just so, mm-hmm. um, and then, like, growing up, like, I was talking to this guy, and then we were going on a date, and, so there was a cute girl that walked past us and like we both turned around kind of to like check her oh out God, and he was yeah. kind of like what just happened <laughs> and he was kind of weirded out and I was like I can't explain <laughs> like it was just so I think that's a moment where I was like 
like I should stop ignoring this feeling yeah. and I should actually like you can't avoid it stop. anymore yeah exactly um yeah and then like later on in high school I had like this giant crush on this girl like I would I would like stalk her Instagram like I would like oh my god like literally like try to talk to her as much as possible and like always stare at her but then I'd just be like you know what maybe I'm just like jealous of her like (laughs) I don't know like I was just like maybe I'm just like obsessed with her style not in like a sexual way like I'm not attracted to her Mm -hmm. but like I clearly was Um, and it was just like I think that also is like the moment I was finally like yeah like maybe I am actually just bisexual and I should stop stop just like internalizing all of it and like feeling ashamed for like these feelings um because I think like once you say it out loud and once you're like once you like accept your sexuality it does make it easier for you like personally like it just makes it easier to like um be comfortable with your identity to like know that you actually are bisexual yeah. I mean obviously there's still so much cultural stigma mm-hmm. but like it is like personally easy for me easier for me to like finally say it out loud and yeah, to, like, yeah yeah no oh my god yeah. more like okay let's just talk about anecdotes now because like, this is funny so me <laughs> and my friend like we're both bi right and like you know we were questioning it and we definitely did not want to be open about it especially at school and like we were both asian you know so like we were like we're never telling our parents this is not like a like we don't see this happening so like we made code words like for different sexualities because like we were also curious and like we would always use those code words and like i was about to say one of them in this like recording right now because i'm so used to using them not saying the actual word so i get what you mean about not like wanting to say the actual word because i'm so not used to it at all Mm-hmm. yeah and it's just so sad that like you as a little kid had to use code words because yeah. you're like uncomfortable with actually saying it out loud mm-hmm. and it's just like it's just I really hope it gets like like there's it's been easier to be LGBTQ um in America right now but I really hope that it like gets even better especially like having more Asian American representation um in the LGBTQ community um that like aren't afraid to like validate these little kids that are like struggling with their sexualities and just kind of like be able to serve as a role model for like us when we were younger mm-hmm. and like other Asian American LGBT youth out there yeah for sure yeah, do you have, like, any other stories, like, about that? Because I'm trying to think. Mm. Um, Bro, we already oh talked about this, I, <laughs> did you ever watch Love, Simon? Oh my gosh, yes, I did. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Okay, stories. So, I was, like, late to watch it, but, like, basically I brought my parents to the movie theater, and I was like, okay, let's just watch this movie, you know? And, like... My initial thought was, like, I was going to, you know, tell them after watching the movie, which I cried, like, 11 times during that. Let me just say, even though he's not, like, a girl or Asian, of course, like, it was still, like, really sweet and everything. Yeah. I recommend it. Um, yeah, but, like, afterwards, they're, like, they just, you know, were whispering to each other, like, glancing back at me like I was a mental patient or something. And I was, like, not the time Hi. then. Yeah, but, like, then Love, Victor came out, like, you know, the TV show spinoff. Yeah, and I watched that me and my friend watch it together and like at the end like um I told her like you know I was actually bi and like she was so sweet about it like she was like so open she's like wow you never had anyone come out to me before like you know asking me questions and everything it was like one of the happiest moments ever like honestly shout out to her I love her so much (laughs) it's just like 
think that's just like it's nice to have a second family I guess yeah. and just like that chosen family mm-hmm. yeah like our friends shout out to all of our yes. friends like, oh my god that, mm-hmm. um because it just feels so nice to be like validated when your whole life you've been thinking that something is wrong with you and you've been told that something is wrong with you and then to have your friend just go like they're wrong and like it doesn't matter who you are attracted to and you're validated it's just like it's like a huge burden and like a huge weight yeah. lifted off of your chest yeah, so I definitely I remember, relate to like, that when I came out to my freaking crush in sixth grade it was so sweet you are bold bold damn girl (laughs) girl no i wasn't bold i was stupid i was crazy but like it was it was (laughs) it was good though because like um we were like walking somewhere and then i was like like i pulled her aside i was like hey can i tell you something like i already knew she was like it was chill and she like um like i said you know i'm bye and she like gave me a hug and everything and it was really sweet like we talked like you know the whole like next few hours about it it was really great i know and like i literally it was like so much adrenaline coursing through me because like again like you said like you know i felt free like a burden had been lifting off my shoulders and like i distinctly remember like saying that i have the energy like adrenaline to like jump off a cliff and then jump back on it again like that was the level of like like you know how great it was so i really want like you know other people who are like you know like us to feel that same way because it's like definitely like a human right and like an experience we all deserve to have at some point yeah, and, like, in the Asian American community especially, there's so much, like, internalized homophobia. Mm-hmm. So it's just so nice to, like, I don't know, like, finally see things, like, trend upwards mm-hmm. and, like, um, see, like, progression on LGBTQ rights, but also, like, at the same time. We have a way to go. Yeah, there's so much work to be done, um, especially with our current administration. Oh, my anyway. God, don't... Mm. That's a conversation for another day, but yeah. I feel good about Gen Z, though, because I feel like older generations have been, like, more, you know, uptight about it, but I feel like Gen Z, especially with, you know, social media being so huge right now, like, you know, us doing things like podcasting, I think there's definitely going to be more turns for the better because we're, like, having bigger conversations. And we're really excited to see it. Really Mm -hmm. excited to see just... People not have to feel ashamed of their sexual preferences or their gender expression. Um, and yeah. So like, how do you feel about like recording this? I feel like really light right now. Like I feel really great. Yeah, I feel like nervous for it to be uploaded. But, like mm-hmm. I feel good about like talking through this with someone yeah. and like just like sharing our experiences. And I really hope like they actually help other people and like make yeah. other people feel more comfortable i know for a talking. fact they will honestly if sixth grade me saw me now she'd be like so proud of me honestly like it'd be a wholesome moment like Woo! okay <laughs> okay that was so that was a whirlwind of emotions <laughs> so hi guys today we have a special guest her name is andrea andrea would you um mind introducing yourself my name is andrea i'm from singapore i'm 30 years old and i'm a transgender woman hi guys my name is andrea i'm 30 years old i'm from singapore i'm a transgender woman and i work as a business woman a model friend also uh, lgbt rights advocate specifically for transgender people 
So this is first about like how you kind of figured out your gender identity. Um, were there kind of any telltale signs you didn't resonate with your assigned gender? And if so, what and how did you deal with it? So um, when I was five years old, I really knew there was something, you know, a little bit off about you being a bit more feminine. You would think that you're gay. You wouldn't think that you're a woman, you know, because um, in Singapore, transgender people were not talked about. It was like a subject that was taboo here at the time when I was really young, so like 25 years ago. And um, I did not know there was such a thing as transgender people. Mm-hmm. I did not know from a male to a female. So um, I think it was, it was a lot of discovery, a lot of self-discovery and through the years, as I got older and when I was a teenager, I found out that you could transition as a female and the feelings I had were actually valid. Yeah, can you talk more about how you actually found out and what that experience was like emotionally for you? Because I'm sure that's like a huge part of your life to realize that. Well, when I found out that I was trans, it didn't really feel very emotional. It's more like Eureka. This is me. Um, a lot of it had to do with YouTube. Um, there's a transgender YouTuber, really famous one from the U- from Canada, I think, in Gigi Gorgeous. So I used to watch her videos all the time because as a gay man, she was hilarious. And as a trans woman, she's also really interesting to watch. And uh, there was one video where she came out as transgender. So when I saw that video, that was when I knew that, you know, transgenders were actually a thing and that there is such a phenomenon. And I thought to myself, me and Gigi are so similar, right? Feminine, we love fashion. The reason why I watched Gigi in the first place is because of the similarities and the interests that we had. And, uh, yeah. After a period of time, I realized that that might be me too. That might be my journey as well. So I did not just jump in straight into I started wearing female clothes and grew my hair out. You know, there's little things that isn't so drastic. And I realized as I did all these things that made me look more feminine, I felt better. I felt happier. So that's when I knew that. I wasn't meant to be a boy. So what was your, like, you you might have had, like, a support system um, and everything, like, how did that kind of help you um, go through your, like, transition journey and everything? So for the support system, it was mostly my friends. My family is um, not super conservative, but it's something which is not normal for them. So they didn't know how to react. It was not something which they're familiar with. So they just didn't want to do it. And I think they were just dealing with it in their way. So I had to be really independent. And um, my friends were a bit more pathetic, basically because I voiced out my concern to them a bit more. I, don't, I didn't really speak to my family about this. Um, yeah, so my main support system at the beginning was my, was my friends. And... Um, Work now, now that I've it's been seven years since I have transitioned. Um, my support system is a mixture of both my family and my family. Yeah, how did that like, um, 
So like the the change, kind of the, the transition of your support system from like initially having your friends as the only support system that you could rely on and then also later having your family as an addition to it, did that bring you, um, I'd say, more positivity to your life, um, kind of made it more fulfilling for you? Sure, yeah. So the day that my family actually accepted me or rather they took me in, I mean, now it's been seven years, so I think they're, they're used to it. You know, they used to accept me as a doctor at the start. You know, just that the fact that they were speaking with me really just made me feel like no matter what happened, I would always still be part of that thing. Oh, I think for a lot of um, transgenders in Singapore, that's not really the case because it, it is a very conservative society here still. You know, it's not like the USA where right? it's a bit more accepted to be trans and, you know, freedom of speech and stuff like that. In Singapore, everything is not talked about, you know, especially LGBT issues. So um, it doesn't matter if you're trans, maybe if you're lesbian or you're gay, you know, your parents will be very happy with you. Um, so I... I'm very fortunate to have parents who are educated, who know how to differentiate between parenting and their own personal beliefs. So I was really happy that they took me in, and that's probably the reason why you know I'm still living the life. Yeah, you talked about microaggressions, and of course, Singapore is more uptight in terms of trans rights and social justice in terms of that. So can you talk about maybe any um, experiences where you were biased against or had dealt with microaggressions like that? So, you know, for my for microaggressions in Singapore, um, I when I was 24 years old, I tried to sign up for a gym because um, I wanted to work out and I wanted to get fit. But I was still male on my identification card. I haven't got it changed yet. And when I showed up at the gym, uh, they rejected my application. They were like, we can't have you in the gym because, you know, even though you look female, can't use the male bathroom either. That made me feel really hurt and degraded. So, <laughs> and I was just, I was just angry that day. I've gotten my legal documents changed to female now and just um yeah when people find out you're trans in Singapore they you know they'll be like oh you know it's something which I've never heard about before you know you're, you're like like you look like a girl you know like you know little things that just piss you off <laughs> you know how ignorant people can be about women like me um, and I think you were talking about bathrooms. I'm not sure if Singapore has made any progressive changes no. for like yeah. or trans people. No. It, um, so in Thailand, there's like a third gender bathroom, but for Singapore, no. Um, they're still quite strict on being a conservative society. But the good thing about Singapore is that you can change your legal documents, you know. In Malaysia, in Thailand, you can't do that. Um, Could you perhaps like talk a little bit a lot about like the dangers of gender reassignment surgery a little bit? So gender reassignment surgery is dangerous because it's painful. 
for me, at least, I've heard of some girls who, I don't know, maybe they don't have enough nerves down there, I don't know, but they, they don't register the pain as much as I do, but it was really painful for me. And um, if you don't get the right doctor, you might run a risk of actually just mutilating yourself and not being able to do anything with your vagina, your new vagina. So, and also the risk of death is, it depends on the individual, but if, you know, you, you uh, bleed a lot, you might find the risk of just bleeding to death. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... That must be really dangerous. Um, but you kind of wanted to, I'd say, risk that because you really did want to change your gender from um, male to female. Yeah. So I was really invested in that entire transition. And the thing is, I didn't want to just be, to me, in my mind, a woman is different. You know, I want to live my life as a normal woman. I wanted to. No, change my course. I don't want to live as a male anymore, and I don't want yeah. to live, you know, like a third gender. I want to live as a female. So, to be female, you need to have, you know, a vagina. And so, in my mind, I was always going to do it. Obviously, I was scared, and at certain point in my life, I was in denial. But I realized that to live my life as a female, I need to experience. Um, what it's like to feel as a female, physically. And in terms of mentally, um, I changed as well a lot after this weekend surgery because of my hormone levels. You know, I wasn't producing any testosterone anymore. So, like, my whole mindset, my my face, my body just changed. You know, I was more feminine. Yeah. Um, and you were kind of touching base on like the emotional and phys- like the emotional experience of it can you talk a little bit more about that um experience while you were going through the surgery um and like we you know it was painful but like you also talked about the like, testosterone and kind of making the features a little bit more feminine like how was that for you um so the thing is when i before i went for the surgery um i was still producing testosterone naturally so i needed to take the presence to have uh, but you can't eradicate it. So the, when, after the surgery, it was gone completely. My testosterone production, or rather it started to deplete little by little. You know, that the testosterone supply in my body. And um, I found myself to, you know, to behave, to think more like a female. You know, how, you know how females are just, um, a bit more emotional. I found that happy. Yeah. I I like to think that it made me more in touch with my emotions. It made me more sensitive, and in terms of appearance, it made me look more feminine as well. Because I started mm-hmm. seeing the more female places like my hips, my thighs, instead of on the stomach, and yeah, and also my voice started to become a little bit more soft. You know, it wasn't so booming and loud anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's a plus point, I guess. <laughs> and, um, and in terms of um, how it helped me uh, in terms of like, 
socially. It made a lot of people respect me. Like, yeah. And like, when I was, I, I was, I had a boyfriend at that point in time, and he really, he saw what I went through, and he was like, you really, really want to be a woman. And I said, yeah. Why did I start this if I wasn't going to finish it? You know? And if I wanted to still live my life as male, I would have just stayed, you know, live my life as a gay man. Why would I want to live my life in between? Yeah. You know, it's, for me, it's, yeah, it's either all or nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. That's so brave of you. I mean, like, just taking that step, taking the risk of getting that surgery, but also like going through these ex- like um, emotional kind of conflicts and overcoming that is, I mean, that must have been a, a kind of, I'd say, life-changing moment for you, right? It was. It was very life-changing because... Um, mm-hmm. I think it was life changing in the mental in the mental aspect. It changed the way mm-hmm. I thought. It changed the way I thought about myself. So obviously I was really young at the time and I was like, Oh, I'm scared, I'm scared of people. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what if I die? What if I die? You then I realized that you started this and then you don't want to finish it, it's not gonna work. So I just went through with it when I was twenty six. So I got my GRS at twenty six. And um it was, it was during that period I realized how strong I really was mm-hmm. because it's so painful, man. Equivalent <laughs> <laughs> to childbirth, like the pain is like it's there right in between your legs and it doesn't go away for months. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't know that because we're still, we're still high school and college students. We wouldn't know what childbearing um, would be. Being, I mean, it must be, it must be extremely painful. I'm sorry, we can't really imagine. Um, but yeah, like transitioning to kind of uh, stigma in like culture and workspace. Um, Nina, do you want to like? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I know that you're also a model in Singapore, of course, so has being a part of the trans community ever affected the um, modeling or perhaps affected the gigs you got, etc.? Well, my agents are good because they don't tell me when someone rejects me because I'm trans. So they kind of hide it. So I think they're doing me a favor. But when I do get jobs, I get jobs because I'm trans. And I think that's also a good thing because um, the companies that want to run the brands that want to work with me, they are very enthusiastic and very accepting of the LGBTQ community. And they want to be inclusive and that's why they, they put in a trend model. And most fashion shows are, you know, female-centric. So, um, including our trans women, it shows diversity in the kinds of women. Definitely. Um, I think touching on that kind of, I think a lot of companies use, um, I'm not sure what the exact term is, but at least in America, um, a lot of companies market themselves to be very diverse and inclusive. Um, There's there's like a a specific word for that. But they kind of use like 
LGBT specific marketing, kind of like making their products with rainbow, for example, as a way to kind of like appeal to the, you know, to a lot of people and kind of show that, hey, like we're inclusive, hey, we're diverse. Um, And I kind of also just like choosing people specifically that they're trans or gay or whatever as the token person for that specific campaign or whatever it is. I mean, I know you said it's a good thing and we absolutely agree as well, but there's also that part of like being like the token person to represent this as like kind of, I I don't want to say it as like, um, you're kind of would be using those kind of like people as tokens, like as awards to kind of show, hey, like we're diverse, hey, we're inclusive. Um, like, how do you I feel on that topic? Well, a business, <laughs> a business is a business, and I, I get why they're trying to do it. They're trying to, um, they're trying to bank in on the rainbow dollar, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's fine, you know. Business is business, and business. It's all about making profits and getting more customers and getting more prospects. And the LGBTQ community, you know, obviously gay men have a lot of spending power because they don't have families, they don't have kids. Not all of them do. You know, a large percentage of them, they, they live their lives quite independently without, without their own family. So they can afford they have a higher disposable income. So they can buy all these things and you know um and marketing to these people you know even for example if you put me in a fashion show and you show it to a gay man he would be a lot more receptive to that brand as compared with a with a, a brand that does not even you know that is not inclusive you know what i mean so because yeah. i'm part of the lgbtq community one umbrella so when i when i'm in the show it's kind of like appeals to a wide market it appeals to, to lesbian girls, it appeals to gay men, it appeals to bisexual men and women, mm-hmm. and all the good people as well. So I feel like um, business is business, but sometimes you can get a bit too much with it. And I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like a circus clown sometimes. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like I'm the token trans women of Singapore and like whenever whenever somebody wants like a trans person they put me on you know, which is a good thing for my career obviously because I'm a model but as a trans woman I feel a little bit objectified I, would, I have to say that I feel objectified yeah. I think that's across the board for a lot of women um, as well, which I mean, I would say it's a good thing for women, but um, I think like being, yeah, like for females, that kind of double standard um, and being objectified in media and just like on the roads as well as a casual thing um, and kind of transitioning from that. Uh, you said that you lived in Singapore, and you know, we all know that Singapore is a more conservative country. Um, how is being Asian and also transgender in Singapore affected your experience with your own gender identity and with also other people? Because you touched base on a little bit about uh, on like microaggressions, um, but also just about your gender identity. So. Um 
it made me very it made me very um how oh, what's the word i couldn't trust people a lot to start because i didn't know what they thought about me you know i didn't know if i could trust them as a trans woman but it's scary it's scary and now I, i was so young and doing it all alone i didn't know if they were just gonna hurt me or they were they were you know i didn't know that how how tolerant they were of, of, of women like me um but you know as the years went by you know transgender people start to come out in the media in the west like in the usa for example andrea patrick um katie jenner gigi gorgeous and i think that kind of like trickled down into singapore because a lot of singaporeans actually watch media from the usa and that really helps and when i came into the due to focus about 2 years ago um people were already you know they did seen trans people in the media so when i appeared in the media here they were not shocked they were like oh that women like her in singapore too that trans women in singapore too and wow you know wow singapore so um in terms of rights i can get married because i'm i'm officially female on on my legal document i i don't tell people who who i know will not be receptive so you can just you just know you just know yeah <laughs> no when somebody is just not lgbt friendly mm-hmm. you know, they're obviously a bit more narrow minded you know they think they think in a box you know they're quite they think the world is a certain way and yeah i just don't even bother i just tell them i'm a girl which i am i'm not lying yeah of course definitely um I I, <laughs> yeah i mean the, just like the way you kind of like effortlessly deal with people who and you know what like they don't matter like they don't matter you don't have to mind them like if they can't accept well that's their thing whatever um Yeah, I mean, I think transition uh moving from that as well. Uh I'd like to ask just like this is like can answer with like a one word phrase or just like one word. Um what is femininity and gender to you? Femininity is grace and strength. Gender Gender is what is between your legs. Like for example, there are, there are transgender women who are preoperative, but just two women because yeah. you know yeah. doesn't mean it doesn't make the next transgender woman who's not preoperative any less um, of a woman than me. But in yeah. terms of biology, she's not female. You know, yeah. females don't have uh, a penis. You know, even in the animal kingdom, females don't have a penis. So, um, gender is is actually a biological term, but mm-hmm. your your gender identity that's different. Yeah, your gender identity is different from your gender. So you you can act, your gender might be male, but you can identify as a female. Female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or as a woman. So it's completely different. But that's that's my that's in my. Um, perspective yeah no that that totally makes sense i think gender identity is very fluid um yeah and, you know 
hopefully like yeah i i don't at least i don't believe gender is binary <laughs> um gender is kind no, of a spectrum mm-hmm. yeah 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 definitely um and nina do you want to ask the last question for the for the interview <laughs> Finally, we just wanted to ask for advice you can give to Asian youth who aren't cisgender, who may be transgender, non-binary, etc. And like, just advice you can give for them dealing or questioning their gender, or perhaps coming out, being accepting of themselves. Anything you have to offer? So the advice I would give is to really listen to yourself and to find out who you know deep inside. Who you really are and whatever you do in terms of you know because in this world where you know lgbtq is still something which is very not talked about you know um you need to you need to be strong you need to be firm about who you are and if you don't know who you are it could break you the world could break you and your life could end up you know, not the way you want it to. So I would say that if you are LGBT and if, for example, if you're trans and you want to transition, you want to start your transition, you've got to really think about if this is really what you want and if this is a commitment that you can make because the, the world is not going to cradle you. The world is probably going to go against you at some point and you're going to have to be strong enough to go against that. Possibly on your own, you will have friends around you. By the end of the day, the person that is going to go through it is you. So I feel like you need to develop a very strong sense of self and a strong, a strong you just need to be strong, I guess. <laughs> Want more of Dear Asian Girl? You can find us everywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We're on everything. Can't get enough? Subscribe, follow, rate, review to get all the updates on the latest at DAG. Let us know your feedback and what we can do to improve. We also can be found on Instagram. Follow us at Dear Asian Girl to receive updates about our latest episodes and fun facts about the host. We'd love for you to reach out. D-A-G, Dear Asian Girl, a podcast dedicated to share the stories of Asian girls everywhere. For the Asian girl, by the Asian girl. Thank you.